Did Moses know when the branches spoke He would be the chosen one Or did his people know That a cloud of smoke Would someday lead them home Sometimes God will speak through a bush of flames or pillars in the sky, but at times His silence fills our days, leaving us to wonder why. Sometimes we wait simply to find sometimes his answers come with time not right away clearly to see sometimes we never get those parted seas that lead us from the shore but there is a place in his grace when sometimes we wait on the Lord if I had my way there would come a day with a never ending dawn no more mournful sighs in the dark of night as I wonder where he's gone. I would never see how his mercy reigns beneath the cloudless sky. There would be no need for healing grace to comfort when we cry sometimes we wait simply to find sometimes his answers come with time not right away clearly to see sometimes we never get those parted seas that lead us from the shore but there is a place where we rest in his grace when sometimes we wait on the lord sometimes we wait simply to find sometimes his answers come with time not right away clearly to see sometimes we never get those parted seas that lead us from the shore but there is a place where we rest in his grace when sometimes we wait on the lord oh there is a place where we rest in his grace when sometimes we wait on the lord all right well appreciate the lord and i'm thankful for him Let's turn our Bibles again to 1 Samuel chapter 22, and if you could, please also pick up Psalm 57 and also Psalm 142. We'll really go to those Psalms in a, in a little while, and the majority of our, our message this, uh, this, this morning, and we've been thinking about David's school of prayer and, and the things that God's taught him and how he's taught him how to pray. And we recognize that prayer is uh, a big part of our Christian life and a, something that ought to take priority, something that we ought to desire to grow in. But admittedly, all of us here would 
would say that there are times where we do struggle to pray. And prayer is one of those areas that is so spiritual that our flesh doesn't want it and wants to fight it. And that's why oftentimes, rather than getting up in the morning and getting into our time of prayer, we'd rather sleep in and take those extra minutes. And yet we understand just the, the benefit that prayer has in our lives. And what we understood immediately as we spoke about David in his times of distress was that God actually allows us to go through some trouble and struggle. And those are often the times that God will use to teach us how to pray. And the, the reality about God is that even in the situations where we find ourselves in discomfort and maybe find ourselves in, in those situations that we feel like there's no end in sight, it's actually in those times in God's goodness that is, he's shaping us and molding us and actually teaching us those things that are so vital to our Christian life. And what we find in this story here is David is on the run for his life. And to the point where he has to resort to going to a cave. Now, for, for all of us here, we don't maybe really fully understand what a, what a cave is. But many years ago, when um, I think it was for my sister Irene's birthday, I can't remember which one, um, but we, we went and she wanted to go for, rather than have a birthday party, she wanted herself and, and her boyfriend at the time, John, who is now her husband, um, they, they wanted to go to the Janolan Caves over there in New South Wales, and um, they wanted to go and, and they wanted Azariah to come and they wanted me to come. And now we were just friends over there, okay, Azariah and I back then. But somehow we got, we got you know, paired up, all, all four of us there that day. And I remember, you know, I, uh, that was one of the first times I did notice Azariah, all right, just, just saying. But we just chatted that day, we got to acquaint a little bit more. In fact, I, it, was, it was such a memorable day. She remembers when I gave her my coat. It was a jacket, it was a red one that I always wore. I probably, to be honest, probably hadn't washed it that week, but I, I gave it to her. I gave it to her because it was cold. So um, anyway, what was I talking about? Caves. So we went and um, we went to the, the Janolan Caves. If you know that, that that's, a, that's, a, that's a beautiful cave. You go in there and they had uh, strategically put some different lighting, they call it the, the Cathedral Cave, and you see, and it's magnificent, all of the stalactites and the rest that coming down and just looking stalac, stalactites, stalagmites, I don't know, one of them, the, the ones that are coming down and just the, the, the colors and the vivid colors that are in that cave. And you go down, you know, you, you walk about 10 minutes before you get to the actual thing. And so it was magnificent. That, that, that was such a highlight and that was a cave, evidently. But what happened was, at some point, as they were talking about that cave and they were talking about how, you know, how they had discovered it and all that history, and you know, I was I was listening, um, and I was I was just just viewing all of that and the magnificence of it. And then they said, "Look, here's how it actually is without the lights." And so they turned off all the lights, and and you it was complete dark. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And you know, I was a bit mischievous, so I I tapped Azzy on the head. And, and I shouted, you know, something like, cave rats, or, you know, and, and she screamed, and, you know, um, the rest is history, as they say. So, um, but I, I remember that time, and remember thinking, wow, I, I can't believe how dark this cave is. And, you know, you think about that situation in David's life, he's had to run to a cave, and, and caves, you know, normally you, you'd think about them as natural shelters, and, and different people all throughout history, have used caves as a means of shelter from the storm. Caves, we know in the Bible, have been used even as tombs. And so they've had many uses as far as man's history is concerned. But what, what we know about caves, they're dark. They're dingy. They're dwellings not just used by those who are in an emergency, but they're dwellings used by other creatures, they can be hidden and hard to find, and often when you've lost yourself in the, the great outdoors and you've happened to happen on a cave, then finding it later another time is usually difficult. 
they can lead to perhaps deeper caverns. And actually, when you think about what caves are, they can be fraught with danger. And so you, you've got to be pretty desperate and pretty despondent to want to go to a cave to find shelter. And yet that's what we find about David. And in fact, he had a couple of companions there with him. And it's interesting how they're described. David goes there, he departs, he's, he's escaping to the cave. Then notice in verse 2, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented, someone said, you know, it was a Baptist church because it was all three of those, all right? But, but the, all these people who were not in a good way, they, they had resorted to a cave and they were all, and you know that saying, misery loves company? Well, they, these were all miserable people just dwelling in a cave and perhaps even just talking about all of their issues and their problems. And they felt, I guess, a sense of comfort, a sense of security in that cave. And you understand that, that these people were coming just like David because they had no other choice, they felt. They had to be in that cave. They had to be hidden away. And, and for David, David, he was being harassed by someone that should have been on his side. He was being harassed by King Saul and he couldn't find himself in any other safer situation than being in a cave, a dark, dingy cave. And we see all these others, and for their reasons, distressed, in debt, or discontented, they found themselves there. And to me, caves is really a great picture of times in our life when we're harassed by life. And we just see that things aren't going well, and Sometimes we find ourselves in the dark, sometimes alone and looking for answers, and we find ourselves in a, in a self-made cave to escape from it all. You see, people who are going through a situation, it, it causes them to, to go into a deep depression. They go into a time where they, rather than perhaps talking it through and They'd rather hide themselves away and isolate themselves from the reality of their situation. What it is, it's a self-made cave. They've come to a cave because, in fact, in their own minds, they just can't seem to find any kind of other relief. And so to shelter themselves and to protect themselves, they've just engulfed themselves in their own cave. And what they find is as they go around and they have the, that perspective, they'll find others perhaps in that situation. They'll find a bit of comfort knowing that others seem to have dealt with it that way and I'm going to deal with it this way too. And, and in some ways, the cave is better than the reality of life right now. So why not, why not dwell there? You know, we, we start to feel that it's a safe place. We start to feel that, that it's, it's darkness and isolation actually causes us to be hidden away from the reality of our situation and it causes us then to then have a false sense of security and may result in us maybe even letting our guard down to the dangers that are inherent in the darkness. And I wonder if you've ever been in a dark place in your life. I wonder if you've ever had to resort to perhaps a self-made cave where you've just the only way to alleviate that is just to get away and to get away from it all and, and to not talk to anyone and just isolate yourself and just feel like that's the safer, safest place in the world is just in that cave. I wonder if you've ever been in a dark place. Maybe life's become too much. And seemingly the safest place is to be alone in our own darkness. And maybe that's you this morning. You're in your own personal cave right now. I want to tell you that, that actually it was in the, that cave where, where David penned some of the most magnificent psalms that we can read. And those were the two that I referred to earlier. Look at Psalm, psalm 57, and we'll be, we'll be here for the majority of our time. We know that David, when he came to that cave, he dwelt there for a little while. He had his, his parents, it says, that came and saw him. And David, he didn't want that for his parents, so he goes and he even goes to the point of going to, the, to Moab to find them help and respite. And David said it when he was speaking to that to Gad. He's trying to make decisions there. And Gad's encouraging him, you know, David, the cave isn't where you, you should stay. 
he said that this shouldn't be your holding. And what he was saying, the, the man of God, Gad there, was saying, you know, you might be here for a little while, but don't make it permanent. Don't make it a time where you just, this isn't the solution, David. And I want to tell you to those of you who are in your personal cave right now, I think there's some things that are going to be insightful for us as you look at David's response in the cave. As you see how David responded to a low time in his life. As you see David in, in the darkness amongst those who are also in distress, also in debt, also discontented. And you're going to see the, how, they respond, how David responded and what God taught him as he dwelt in the cave. And I want you to know, look at, let's read all 11 verses here. Look at verse 1. It says, To the chief musician... He says, when of a miktam of David, that was a, a certain, um, certain, certain psalm, certain song that was so good. A miktam was a, was, was a song that was so good and so true that what they did was they engraved it in gold on the temple walls. That's what a miktam is. And so he's saying it's a, a special psalm. But notice when he wrote it, this is in the, in, the, uh, in the notes there regarding this psalm, when he fled from Saul... In the cave. So when was that? We just read about this in 1 Samuel chapter two, uh, chapter 22, right? So this is David in the cave writing this. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. You can almost hear David, maybe he penned this after speaking with God and maybe realizing that, you know, th this cave isn't going to do. He begins to reflect on what will do. And he says there, it's, it's be merciful unto me. And he says, I will cry, verse 2, unto God, most high unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah, pause. It says, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Maybe he was reflecting on those that were around him, those who were in distress, those who were in debt, those who were discontented. And he was looking at them, and he's saying, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue, a sharp sword. Can you imagine the, the amount of complaint and the amount of heartache that was in that cave? Be thou exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps, my soul is, bestow, is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into, thy, into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. My heart is fixed, O, o God. My heart is fixed, I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory, awake sultry and harp. I, I myself will awake early, I will praise thee, O Lord. Among the people, I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. And notice that the, the tone of David's response, despite the fact that he was in that cave, you, you would almost say that he was free. The reality of the, the calamities that he's speaking about in verse 1 was still true. But David had, been, David had been taught and his mindset had been adjusted. And these are the things that we will consider this morning. And notice verse 1 as we begin our, our message this morning. He says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful. And he says, My soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings. And notice this phrase, will I make my refuge? Now, I spoke earlier about the fact that usually caves are just for emergency purposes. And when you're finding a shelter and you need it, you're going to find a thing that you can find. And so that you go there. And, and David has done that. David's in a physical cave, a real cave. And he's, he's chosen to find his shelter in that, his refuge. And yet, look what he's saying He's saying, I will. Will I make my refuge? He's referring to, the, to, to God. He's saying, you know, I'm going to make you my refuge. And what, what he was saying was, actually, the, the, this is no shelter at all. This is no refuge at all. I need, 
a better substitute than what I'm finding right now in this cave. The, the thing that I've resorted to, the, the darkness that has engulfed me is not enough. He's saying, I need another refuge, is what he's saying. And so as he considers God, he says, no, I'm going to make you my refuge. And what I'm saying is, firstly, as we learn about David in this cave, in his response to this situation, is that you can pray for refuge even in the darkness. You know, you might find yourself in that place where you think that this is the best solution. That, you know, if you could just hide yourself away in your personal cave and you could just sort of detach yourself from the calamities that are overcoming you, then somehow you will be saved away from all of the distresses of life. And yet what David was recognizing was that that response actually wasn't enough. The, the real response is this. He says, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. And what David was praying for was a refuge even in his darkness. And again, you know, in life, sometimes the best place we find relief is within the, within the darkness, perhaps, of our own thoughts. We go into isolation. We draw away in a cave of our own making. And maybe you're tempted to think that's your only refuge. Can I submit to you, there's a better refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your refuge. And he's saying there that... that uh, you're the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. And, you know, Ian Bounds, a great author, said this, prayer is not learned in a classroom, but in a closet. You think about a closet is, uh, the prayer closet is, is perhaps something that we don't practice anymore. It's a, the, the concept of that is a place where you can isolate yourself so that you can get with God. And maybe it's a physical closet, maybe it's a a place in your house, maybe it's somewhere just out in nature, but it's somewhere we go to that we know that that's the place where we pray. And, and so often God actually will bring us to places like that. Why? Because He knows the best place to teach prayer is actually when you're alone, is actually when you're forced in a way to become isolated. Come to a place of perhaps discomfort and, and maybe even in a place that you can feel the, gulf, uh, the, the dark engulf you. And there's that concept of the prayer closet, and God calls us to these times, really, part of it is to teach us to pray, to teach us to understand that, you know what, you can find every other means to find shelter in the time of storm, but the best refuge you can find is making God your refuge. And we learn that darkness is no refuge at all because he wouldn't be looking for refuge if he had found his refuge. Right? If you go somewhere that you know is good enough and it's safe, then you won't look for anything else. That's the place. But no, David, in his estimation, as he wrote this psalm in the cave, he says, I'm going to make you my refuge, God. Because he understood that the cave was no refuge at all. Darkness was no refuge at all. And David's perspective was that the cave wasn't the solution. In the cave, in the darkness, in the isolation, he still needed refuge. And again, sometimes we isolate ourselves to protect ourselves, but there's no, that's no protection at all. Our dark thoughts and our attempt to inoculate from our calamities by being alone in a dark place isn't going to solve anything. And he repeats this. Notice Psalm 142, so keep your finger there as well. Because this is another song that David writes. It says, a mashil of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. And notice what he says in verses 4 and 5. It says, I look on my right hand, and behold, but there was no man that would know me. Notice what he says, refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. So his response, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You know, you imagine David, his own situation, and he looks around and everyone else is in the same situation. And he says, look, no one can help me. <laughs> he looks around and on his left side were all those in distress and they were panicking. He looked on his right and there were those who were in debt and they were trying to figure out how to pay off their debt. 
Then he looks behind him, there were those who were discontented. He's looking at that and going, well, they're just complaining. And he was alone again, in the, even in the midst of those people in the dark. And he's saying, you know what? This isn't any refuge at all. Refuge failed me. And you're going to find that, that often when we resort to those situations, and perhaps even if there's a, those around you that are going through a similar situation, we can be tempted to think, well, that's the solution. Just get together. And let's just all complain about it. And let's all just share our stories. And, and, and there is a, a sense of therapy in that. But the, the thing that will cause you to overcome that is actually realizing that's no refuge at all. Refuge failed you. And he's saying there that, that God has to be his refuge. He, he recognized no one else in that cave, in the, his similar situation, could stand with him. And even surrounding ourselves with other people who are in their dark place, it won't help. And we see that, that at times, even though, the, even though he thought he found something, the reality was he still needed God. He needed to find his refuge in God. And we learn that actually calling out to God is the refuge we need. He, he said it there. He, he calls out, be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. He, he says, for my soul trusteth in thee. And, you know, the, the trust is best examined when there's something to trust him for. And what we find is David recognizes this is a time I need to trust God. And notice that the picture that he gives, he says, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. And, and the, the picture there is, is you understand, uh, uh, like a hen would, would put her, uh, her, her wings around her chicks and, and try, to, uh, try to cover them up from the dangers around. F.B. Meyer said it this way, as the wings of a mother bird intercept the danger that menaces her nestlings, so the loving care of God protects his people. And listen, the, 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 the amount of things that we uh, try to put in our lives that protect us, those are good things perhaps, but you know, the best thing to recognize is this, that we have a God who cares and protects his own. And that we can come and, and he can be the shelter in the time of storm. He can be the, the fortress that surrounds us. He can be that mother bird in a sense with the mighty arms of God that just surround and compass us about. What do children do when they're frightened? They want to run into your arms. No, just, uh, just again, sometimes in the, in the middle of the night, your kids will maybe rush when there's a sound. And, and so often you want that, don't you? You want them to get a sense of that safety that you can provide, the protection that you can provide. I remember years ago, Vicky was real young, and um, we really didn't do too much around animals, and we were at a park, and there was this, this dog, and, and she started bolting. We watched her. We were sitting down having a picnic, and we just watched our four-year-old bolting, and this, this dog, little dog, was yapping away, and she comes running to us, and, you know, she's behind us. She doesn't do this anymore, all right? She's taller now, but... Um, when she was little, she would get behind us, and she was this massive dog got me, and it was like you know massive dog. <laughs> and, and that's what we find ourselves when we're alerted and we're afraid. The 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 response ought to spiritually come as as children of God to go God to go to God for our refuge. And many times we try to find other ways. We'll find our own caves, perhaps. And, and you know, this, this is, in a sense, a different darkness. You know, he, the, the, the wings make a shadow. It's a comforting one. It might still isolate you. It might still cause you to be away from the other things of life, but it's a good, it's a good shadow to be in. It's the shadow of God. And, and that's meant to be a picture of his protection over us. And it's meant to be that picture. Even Jesus uses the same analogy in Luke 13, 34. Or Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings. 
You know, he says, you would not. How many times would God have protected us and calmed us and, and, and given us the protection we've needed, given us the shelter, but we would not. We went to our personal caves. We stood there and we waited there, hoping with, 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 with all anticipation and, and hope, and yet we've still been. And that's why David said, I will, will I make? It's still a choice. It's still a choice for you and I to come to God in those times. And God's protection, I'm saying, is on offer, but we've got to choose to call out and seek Him out. We've got to choose what will blanket us in our times of darkness and what it is, His shadow, or is it our own caves that we make? And what we find is dependence Dependence is the way to God. Because he says in verse 2, I will cry unto God most high. Hey, we have a God who will hear. But then he says, unto God that performeth all things for me. You know what that is? It's a statement of dependence. Saying, he's saying, I can't do it in my own strength. God's the one. And the reality is God is the one that can do it. A, a cave might seem like a good place to shelter, but God is the one that can be depend, depended on completely. And this is somewhere to discover. I spoke last week about the fact that so often what we do is we wait till the time of distress to try to get ourselves to God. But actually, we ought to be familiar with how to get to God. And he says it there you, in Psalm 91 verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, the, the, it's those who discover the secret. It's the secret place of God. You know, we, we know where God is generalities, but, but it's in those times where we've, we've had to run. It's those times where we've been alerted that we practice getting to God, practice getting to where we need to be. You know, there's certain places in our, in, 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 in our lives that we just know how to get to. I remember when I first started really getting into ministry and I was starting to come into church every day. One time my dad called me and he said, hey, can you pick me up from work? And he was only 10 minutes away. It's a miracle in Sydney, by the way. But we, I started to drive and, you know, before long I was driving and then I remember just, just parking my car and then getting a phone call and my dad saying, where are you? And I, I look around and I go, Oh, I'm a church. It just came automatically is what I'm saying. And so many times the, the thing that we ought to be experts in and finding ways that we can be sheltered from the storms of life, we, we find our ways to other caves that we've started to just make those pathways clear in our life when it should have been in those times we should have been making our way to God. Finding the secret place. Finding that, that, that refuge that actually will help us and will, will save us from the darkness and that's dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. But it's He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Only those that know their way to God know how to get there. And you know what? That's a daily thing. That's a daily practicing. When, when Azariah first found out she was expecting, and we found out the hospital that she needed to get to, we practiced every which way to get there. I was one of those husbands, all right? I wanted to be completely prepared. So we tried from our house. We tried from our church. We tried from our favorite restaurant, right? We went from our favorite cafe, right? It's just the places we would be. We tried, we, we went from there, found the best routes, the best ways. And again, Sydney, very tricky, all right, how to get around. And you just prayed it wasn't peak hour traffic because it would have taken wherever you were, two hours to get there. But you practice all of that, why? Because you want to get there when, when you need it, right? You don't want to be consulting Google Maps at that time. You just want to know. And listen, sometimes troubles come our way where we're in we find ourselves in that darkness and we're groping around thinking, how do we get to God? But it's in the secret place. Learn now. 
Maybe you're thinking today, well, this is totally irrelevant to me because I'm not in a cave. Listen, there are going to be times where you're going to feel like you need to get, get, get into a cave. And you better get to the refuge of God and he that dwelleth in the secret place. And notice another thing David learned. He, he says there in Psalm 57, look at verses 3 and 4. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. He's, he's crying out with the situation. He's trusting God. Then he says, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. He says, my soul is among lions and I lie even among them that are set on fire. So he notices the danger. He understands that he's in a place that, again, is a place that's distressing. And notice what he prays. He begins with it in verse 1, be merciful. And then it says in verse 3, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. So you can pray. You can pray for mercy even amongst the distressed. He, he talked about them there in verse 4, among lions, lie even among them that are set on fire. And he's referring to those who had joined him in the cave. These were people. You think about those situations, you've ever been in that situation, you're always on a knife edge, right? You're always thinking that, that things are and tethered, they're dealing with their situation much differently to what we see David. And what it was, prayer is what makes a difference between you and those around you. You have, you have access to God. You have a means of mercy. You have a means of salvation. You have a means of solution. And whereas there's the, those, those temporal things that people can get to, we have those of eternal value. Those that, that are of heaven's hosts that can come. And, and that's what it is. Prayer taps into heaven's power. He says that he, he shall send from heaven. And again, sometimes we, we just think that prayer is some sort of duty, and yet it's, it's a touching of heaven is what we get. And the cave is a human effort to solve our situations, but prayer is a heavenly refuge that helps you through your situation. And I think about busy men and busy places, and sometimes we can just get lost in all of that. And yet uh, 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 a famous preacher in, in, of yesteryear said this, I have so much to do that I shall send, spend the first three hours in prayer. And what he's saying is he's prioritizing that because he knows that's actually what he needs to get through the day. And too often we get into our day without all the resources available to us. And, and we would be crazy, right, in other areas if, if those things were available to us, if we don't actually use them. But we don't treat prayer that way. We treat prayer as a, an alternative. We, pray, we, we treat prayer like it's some sort of just parachute that is last, call, last recourse in an emergency. We treat prayer like it's just somehow just something that is only useful if none of the other ways are meant to, are, are going to be effective in our lives. And we, we look at other caves is what I'm saying that, that can be the kind of shelter that we think we need. And yet what's available is actually the thing that is impenetrable, the things that are powerful. It's, it's the thing of, of heaven, of, of prayer. He actually, where, again, he, he looks at that and he sees that, that he actually where he's at isn't enough. And he's got to get a hold of heaven. And, you know, prayer really is a response by God of mercy and of truth. And we find that, you know, if you pray for mercy, what God will give you, he'll give you mercy. But he'll never give you mercy without truth. You know, the Lord Jesus is all grace and all truth, all mercy and truth. And so he, when he gives you mercy, he's also going to give you truth. Because the way He allows us, the way He's merciful to us is also the way to instruct us. And God shall send forth His mercy and His truth. And mercy and truth, they, they all often go together. And I think that's the balance we should strive for when we get a response from God. I said it last week, sometimes we just want God and we demand from God that He, he does the thing that we want. But we never ask God, what does He want? How, how am I going to get through this situation? And yes, he's going to give you his mercy and truth. He's going to give you the way to alleviate that, but he's also going to give you some instruction on how to do that. But that's a good God, isn't it? And, he, and yet, so often what we like, we want mercy, but we don't want the truth. We, don't, we want mercy, but we just want it automatically. We don't want to take steps. 
We don't want to get the instruction that we need. But mercy and truth often come together. And Psalm 25 verse 10, speaking of this, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimony. So again, all the paths. So we talked about earlier the secret place. How do we get to the refuge we need? We need mercy and truth. That's the pathway. And so as we seek God in our prayer, not only should we pray for mercy, we should also pray for truth. Lord, show me the reality of this. Lord, show me how this is played out in your word. Lord, help me to discern through the truth how it is that you're going to rescue me from this. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to send the resources of heaven. And yet what we find about David is that at the end, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't more concerned about his own discomfort more than the comfort of God. And notice verse 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heaven. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Then he, he pivots. He speaks about those that prepare a net for his steps. He talks about his issue. Then he goes again, My heart is fixed, O God. Not, not fixed as in it was broken, but fixed as in it's focused. It's, 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 um, it's clinging to God. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. So imagine that in the cave. One of the things that you could do over, and I think we, there was on that day, in fact, that may have been the reason why we went to Janolan Caves. There was a string quartet that played in the caves. And you imagine the sound of that resonating in that cave. It was magnificent. The, the, the sound quality in there, guys, you won't even need. You know, like the sound men, they'd just be happy to turn up and listen that day. All the acoustics was naturally taken care of, right, Asher? And, and we look at that, and you imagine the, the quality of that, and you imagine... David singing praises in the cave. Imagine that kind of testimony. It reminds me of Paul and Silas who were in jail. In fact, he likens that. Look at, look at Psalm 142. He likens the cave. He realizes what it really is. In verse 6, Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Psalm 142. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. He recognizes the seriousness of the situation. He says, bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. He says, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. You know what he's saying? He recognizes, he realizes what the cave really was. It was actually a prison. It was actually holding him back. It was actually that darkness was engulfing him and not for good. It was for his hurt. And he's saying there that in the midst of that, he praises. And sometimes caves can become a prison of our own making. You know, we're in a cave because God's trying maybe to chasten something in us. I think for David, it was to be brought low. You know what God didn't want? God didn't want another soul for king. The problem was he already had a soul. He didn't want David to be another soul. So he allowed David to, to go through that because he was actually chasing Saul. He was, Saul was chasing Saul out of David. And ultimately, the only thing that will help us come out of the cave is, is to recognize that it's God's glory that we must most desire. You know, true freedom, he's saying, is found in our ability to pray and praise even in our own darkness. And even in the cave, David learned to give God praise. You know, I think about, think about a time in my life, you know, the, you know, it's really hard when you feel like high school was, at the, was, was the height of your existence. But for a little while, I thought it, it was. And I'll tell you, I, you know, high school was really good for me. Um... I was, in, in, in essence, I really felt like I was successful in high school. You know, I had, I had some areas of influence in my school. I had achieved some great things on the sporting field and all of that, and this isn't to, to brag about me. I'm just saying, at that point in my life, it was, at the, it was the height. And that came all crashing down. You know, just truth be told, I didn't work as hard as I needed to in year 12. 
I got carried away, all got to my head. And I just didn't study, I didn't really, I, I just became enamored with everything else, but I just, I just didn't do what I should have. And I remember getting a phone call from my, my principal and, you know, he, he said, oh, sorry about, you know, your results, you didn't do well and all of this. And he, and I just got into this, that was my, what I thought was my whole world. And I just got into these, really, it was a, like a pit, it was a cave. And for months, I just didn't want to talk to anyone. Didn't want to see my friends. I was going to church out of duty. And what it was, I was in this, as an 18-year-old, I think it was, a, it was a real depression. I didn't want to be around anyone. I didn't want to pray. And I remember it was just one morning, I had to drive my sisters to the swimming carnival. So I drove over there, and actually my English teacher, who was a die-in-the-wall atheist, she, she, she basically grabbed me by the collar. I went to public school, by the way. So she grabbed me by the collar and she said, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing's wrong with me. Lie. <laughs> and she said, no, you know what, you should. And she, she relayed some things that she knew about me. And then she finished off with this. She said, and, and aren't you faithful in your church? Didn't you tell me that you serve God and... This was an atheist preaching God to me. And she began to remind me, isn't there so much that you could praise God for? Was what I got from that. An atheist English teacher told me that. How blind was I? And, and I began in God. That day I just got, got to the point of just rehearsing all that I was praising God for, all that God did for me. I'll tell you what, that, that got me out of my prison. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's just as simple as that. I understand sometimes caves can be very difficult to navigate out of. But I'm saying that's a good way to get some light. That's a good way to just get through some of those times. You just begin to praise God. And, and true freedom is found in that. And, you know, you might feel stuck in your cave, but that's actually it's an opportune time to lift up God in our hearts and in the eyes of those around us. I think about my grandparents who went through their great situations. You know, I was very close to them. My grandma on my dad's side particularly, who actually when she was growing up, and we've seen this, she was, she was a beauty queen. She often won the local pageants and was a very gifted young lady and married a, a good young man who was well known in the community. And then one particular day, she got sick. And deformity started to take away her beauty. And she would talk about that. And I remember sitting there in awe because she would say, and I thank God for that because, and I thank God for that because. And she would name all of these reasons to thank God for a malady that actually, if you look at it from an earthly point of view, took away all that she was known for. But she got saved because of that. She, she got into the profession that she got into. She became an English teacher. And she got into the thing that actually God had called her to. Why? Because she knew how to praise God through that. And I remember just thinking through that and, and thinking about, as I think about David, what an unlikely place to give praise and prayer to God. But it's in the unlikely places that we, our faith really counts. And true faith really is evidenced in the prioritizing of God's glory over our own comfort. You see, the things that we read there, all of David's declarations, it was an evidence of an unfailing faith in a true God. And David knew that God knew his situation. And he said it in Psalm 142, in the first couple of verses, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord that I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. They didn't deny it. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare on me. And, and David was rested. He knew the dangers. He knew all of that. But David was rested content in God being exalted in his life. And our prayers, they ought to reflect a gentle trusting in the Lord. Our prayers ought to show a concern 
not only for our responses in situations, but our concern for those to reflect the glory of God in our lives. See, nothing testifies more to those around us than a life that will prioritize God's glory over our own comfort. And many times we, we choose one or the other, but one should be the most obvious choice. And I'm, I'm saying that not like I've mastered it, but I just know that's what's right to do. And this, this morning I want to tell you that there's opportunities every day. You know, the cave, when you think about it, it wasn't, wasn't very comfortable. And what David was saying is the alternative is I trust in God. And what David learned, that he, that he learned that his real refuge is in God. And I want to tell you, your real refuge is in God. You know, you might want to enclose yourself. You, want to, you might want to find a cave of your own making. But, but refuge failed me, David said. And he said, Lord, you're my refuge. In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge, he said. And David learned that in the cave. He learned that his prayers were answered with heaven's resources and came packaged in mercy and truth and that God was going to instruct him in his mercy. He came to the truth that our prayers ought to be more concerned about God's glory rather than seeing at times our own comfort met. And you know the good news is? David didn't stay in the cave. And we know the story. He ended up in the palace. And many times... When God has a, something greater for us, we might find ourselves tempted to just stay in our cave. I want to tell you, though, that there's more. The cave was where he learned to be worthy of the throne. The cave was where the place where he started to really know God. And maybe you're in a cave today. And I want to tell you that you have a merciful God. And you can find your real refuge in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time opportunity and the joy it is to be able to open your word. And thank you for, Lord, just recording the testimony of so many others who, Lord, chose to be different by faith. Lord, they chose to trust you rather than dwelling in places that can become dark and dangerous. And I pray that you'd help each and every one of us here just to, Lord, take the time this morning to just come to you and, and even practice getting to you, that, Lord, we would in, in our times where we're dwelling perhaps in, in just in, in a way trying to get away from all of the reality of life and we come to places of darkness, that you would help us then to recognize, Lord, that, that you're our true refuge. So I pray that you'd help us this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around.